So you got some good-looking people. If you're single, look around, look to your right, to your left, see if they got a ring on it. If there's something shiny, leave them alone. Or I will personally run you right out of this church, right? Kick you right where the sun don't shine. Not very pastoral, is it? I'm not afraid to run out of bad people out of this church, amen? We'll run them out the church. Try to hurt the sheep. We don't allow that, amen? So speaking of single people, I have some good news this morning. And uh, I have a good announcement because it's my family. But if I could have Quinn and Tony stand. We have a new, new couple in the church today, everybody. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo>. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd do that for every couple, but this is my family, and so just so you know, they've been secretly talking for 10 months, everybody, so they've been taking their time, becoming friends, get to know ya, and Quinn said, let's make an announcement. I, Tony did like this jig. I don't know what it was, but he was like, did this happy dance. I'm just kidding. I wasn't there for that. They don't involve me, trust me, with all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm excited because they're doing it God's way, amen? Bringing Jesus in the center of it all. And what a better place to find someone in church, amen? Amen, on the same belief system and all that. So anyway, I'm ready for the word today. How about you guys? Well, I am excited about my teaching today. I know the title has been up there since we sat down, After You Die. What great news, amen? Let's talk about what happens when you die. But I really felt like, um, as your pastor, as you know, the last four weeks, I've been every week talking to you about God preparing this church for a revival, preparing this church for a real move of God, amen? And it's going to have us be required to reach the world with our truth, with the word of God's truth. And so I just really felt like, I think it's so important as believers that we understand what the word of God says when we die. I'm not gonna give you my opinion on it, I'm gonna give you what the word of God has to say, amen? And two reasons why I feel like this is important over the next three weeks. One, I think a Christian, you should know the word of God on what happens when you die. You should have that personal truth. And maybe throughout this morning's lesson, the Holy Spirit's going to give you a revelation of what it means when we die. I'm believing that some of you need a revelation of the truth that eternity is not here on earth. It is in heaven or it is in hell, amen, and there is a real hell, and next week we're going to talk about the horrors of hell, somebody say amen, it's not even Halloween yet, but we're going to talk about the horrors of hell, because hell is a real place, and we want to talk about what does the Bible say about hell, who goes to hell, what does it look like, I think we should know that truth, amen, and then the third week I'm going to talk about the glory of heaven, and know that we're where we're going to spend eternity, but I want you to know a truth, and so not only your own personal truth, and maybe you need to have some personal convictions of your life, because we want the Holy Spirit to convict us, amen? I never want to live a life in my relationship with Jesus where he's not convicting me. I would be a little worried if I didn't have conviction in my life. And so I think understanding this truth today, after today, will maybe align some of us where we need to be. But also, there's many of you who have friends and family members that need to know the truth of when they die, what's going to happen. And if you can know the word of God, you'll have a confidence to share the truth about heaven, amen, and also rescuing them from the gates of hell, which is what Jesus did for us, amen. 
So I'm going to share some truths with you. We're going to talk about today, what is life after death? We're talking about after you die. Today's topic is about life after death. What does that look like? Um, I know it's not a popular talk topic to talk about death. It, I'm the kind of person, I don't want to talk about death. I love heaven. I, I love my Jesus, but I really love living here on earth. Amen. I'm not that person that says, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. Now, I can't, but I also love and enjoy life. Can somebody say amen? And there's nothing wrong with that. So this is almost a topic that can be a little uncomfortable, but I want to give you the why. What happens to your life after you die, so that you have a full revelation. Amen? So let's look up 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to just go through the Word of God. The truth is, this morning, when you die, you don't really die. You will live on for eternity. Amen? Your physical body will cease to die. I call it your earth suit, this body that we live in. That body will die, but you will exist somewhere, depending on where your heart is that with the Lord, amen? So let's go ahead and read the scripture verse. This is Paul sharing, and I'm just gonna give you the full word of God today. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent, or our body, or earth suit, when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. So when your body dies, we're gonna break it down, you have a place reserved in heaven just for you if you are followers of Jesus, amen? An eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present body. How many of you grow weary? If you're a certain age, you're getting weary, amen? Or maybe you're weary in life. Maybe you're going through trials. Maybe you're going through tribulations and, and life just really wears you out. We live in a corruptible body, the Bible says. And when Jesus comes again, he's gonna give us our incorruptible body, amen? The one that will never fade away. We're gonna be transformed in the air when Jesus comes again. And we'll be talking a lot about that over the next couple weeks. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like a new, new clothing. See, when you get to heaven, you're gonna take on a new image, the image of Christ Jesus. The real you will be glorified when Jesus comes again. This earth suit's gonna return back to the dust from whence it came. Genesis talks about that. I made a joke about it a couple weeks ago, but from the dust you were created into the dust you will return, amen? So we look forward to putting on that new image like new clothing, for we will put on a heavenly body and we will not be spirits without a body. Verse four, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh, but it's not that we wanna die and get rid of these bodies and clothe us. Rather, we wanna put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. This is our confidence. Everybody say, I'm confident. This is the confidence that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. We live here on earth, we're in these earth suits, and we are not in the presence of the Lord yet, right? Verse 8 says, yes, we are fully confident. Say, I'm confident. I'm confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. There's another translation that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen? So the moment that you take your last breath here on earth, and I'll show you some scripture verses, you are going to be taken into the presence and the glory of God. So what is our goal here on earth? We are created 
earth suits, right? We're created human beings, but what is our goal? Why do we exist here on earth? What is my assignment? And every single one of your lives, you have a purpose from God. You were created with the purpose and you were created with a plan from God here on earth. Let's look at verse nine. What is that purpose? So whether we are here in this body, right, whether I'm here in my earth suit here on earth or away from this body, our goal is to what? Please the Lord. Let me read that again. Whether you are here in this body or away from this body, no matter where I'm at, our goal in life should be what? To please the Lord. Now, I did a whole four-week series on being selfless. And so our goal is not to accumulate a lot of money for ourselves and store up our wells. Our goal isn't to be really rich and famous. Our goal isn't for all the likes on Facebook, all the culture that we live in. Is it wonderful? And should we enjoy the pleasures of life? Absolutely. God gave us a beautiful world to live in. But our goal and our aim as created beings of God is what? to please the Father. And I believe the church that we live in, the church in America today, has been lulled asleep by the feel-good messages, make me feel like a winner, make me feel like an overcomer. And are we? Yes. But I'm not living in this temporary life. This is but just a moment. We are living here on earth for an eternal purpose in heaven. The glory of God, what? To reach a lost and dying world, to share the love of Jesus Christ. I met my, my new neighbor across the street is, is a retired pastor and He's 83 years old. He looks about 60. He's so handsome, looks so great. And he's like, every, every week my wife says, aren't you ready to kind of retire? And he's like, how do you retire from the call of God? I said, exactly. How do we retire from loving people back to life? How do we retire from winning somebody to Jesus Christ, laying hands on the sick and see them recover? See, we're living in a world that is all-consuming about us. And God says, you're living for a temporary moment when you should be thinking about an eternal glory. And I believe God is wanting the church to flip a switch so that we're living for kingdom purposes once again. You can still enjoy the pleasures of life, but God wants your purpose and aim every day to be about Jesus, fulfilling the will of God, having the conviction of the Holy Spirit, living why the purpose of God, you breathe air, amen? My dad's always said that, why do, why do I breathe air, God? So let's keep going. Yes, I am fully confident and would rather, verse 8, be away from these earthly bodies than to be, for then we will be home with the Lord. So verse 9, I'm sorry, the purpose of why we're here on earth. Verse 9 will tell us, so whether here in this body or away from this body, my goal is to please the Father. You live every day to what? Give glory to God. Give honor to God. Amen? I want you to understand this morning that your life matters and it matters to God, and God wants you to fulfill your purposes in your life. So what I'm going to look at this morning, we're going to take some time and break down some scripture verses about life after death, okay? Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. Okay, number one point we're going to talk about. What you believe about eternity, what you believe about our eternity determines how you live today. So what you believe about the hereafter, that eternity in heaven, determines your choices you make today. 
If you're sitting in this room or you know somebody that doesn't really believe God exists, we were just created for the sweet by and by. We can wake up and live our life and I'm gonna die and go into this sweet eternity or whatever. You're gonna live your life by those feelings. You're gonna make your selfish decisions. We're gonna be indulged by our own desires, right? Because I'm living now how I feel about eternity. But if you flip that and you say, I know that I was created by a living God with the purpose of God, with the destiny of God, I'm going to live this moment here on earth Why I breathe air for what's going to happen when I step into eternity. If I know that heaven is real and God forgave me of my sins, I'm going to live my purpose knowing who can I share the gospel of Jesus Christ with? Who can I share God's love? Who can I give hope away? Do you know how many wounded Christians are not in the church today because the church hurt them or they got their feelings or they were abused? We as the church needs to get external and be give, the, give this life-giving joy of God away. Amen? Why? Because I'm living for eternity. I want when I open up, when I go before the Father, that when heaven opens up, there's going to be a trail of people that are in heaven because I share the love of Jesus. I want to be that person that says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen. We are not living here for temporary. We are living for eternal purposes in heaven. Amen. We're living here to share his glory. What you need to understand is what you do today impacts eternity. What you're doing today in your life is impacting eternity. Who is going to go to heaven in your world because you made a difference? What little child in the, in the nursery and who you're loving on and, and giving hope and love away, you're going to transform and change their life because you gave life away today, amen? Your life makes a difference. And when you die, there are three things that happen immediately, and I'm going to share those things with you right now. Three things happen when you take your last breath here on earth. And the first one is this, our physical body dies, and we talked about this a little bit. That earth suit dies. What I want you to get a revelation of and we've got it backwards in the church. You are a body that how you're not a body that houses a soul or a spirit. You are a spirit that has a body. See, we've got it backwards. We're living for our earth suit. We're living for our temporary pleasures and one day going to go to heaven. And God's like, no, you got it backwards. My spirit lives in you. My power lives in you. My anointing lives in you that you happen to have an earth suit that I've given you here on earth to give life away. God came for the world. Jesus laid his life down for the world. Not that just we can live in our own simple pleasures, but live to please the Father. What can we do in our life to say, God, I want to please you in my life, amen? I want the voice of the Lord in my life. Hebrews 9, verse 27 through 28 says this, just as people are destined to die once. How many know you're only going to die once? If you do a research study and they've done research, it's been very conclusive, they say one out of one person dies. It's not like a trick, is it? And when you die, you don't get a do-over. Do There's one chance that we have to live on this life. What difference are we making? Amen? So it goes on. Just as people are destined to die once, after that to face judgment. See, once you die, there's a judgment, and we're going to talk about that judgment in just a minute. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many 
So he came at one point, right? We're living in an era of grace. God forgave us of our sins. We repent of our sins and we walk in the forgiveness of sins. But that scripture goes on to say, but he will appear a second time. See, Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for them who call him Lord, Lord, amen. He's coming back for his church and he's not coming back as the high priest that was humble. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We serve a risen savior. We serve a real, powerful God. It is not some sweet story in the Bible to make us feel good. We serve a king, the great I am, the alpha and the omega. He is all-powerful, almighty, all-majestic, and all of heaven is real. And his glory is going to hit this earth, amen, and he's going to take his bride back to his presence. Woo, I'm not even preaching on heaven today. But he's coming back. Say, he's coming back. This is a true story. He's going to split open the eastern sky. Read the book of Revelations. We have the end of the story. Jesus is coming back for his church. And he's going to come back like a vengeance. And he's not coming back for the repentance of sin. We have a time right now of grace where he's saying, repent of your sins. Rise up and be the church. Amen. Rise up and be who God's called you to be. Win the world to Jesus. This is the moment that the world has for sin. Not when he comes back. Because when he comes back, it's too late. He's coming for them who know his name. He's not coming for people who come to church regularly or know a Christian song or, or maybe knows a few scripture verses. He's calling the people that know him by his name. And I'll show you what scripture has to say about that in just a minute, amen? He goes, he will, re- he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him, amen? We are the church, the bride of Christ, and we are re- re- waiting for the return of our Savior. And we need the world to be welcomed into the gospel. The salvation message. We don't wait to have great theology. Don't wait to have it all your I's dotted and your T's crossed to win somebody to Jesus. Share your story. Share the love of God. Share his grace and his mercy. Amen. Win your friends to Jesus because we want everyone we know and love to come into heaven with us. As a pastor, when I was uh, first started pastoring this church as a lead pastor, the first book God took me to was uh, Ezekiel. And if you've never read the book of Ezekiel, I challenge you to do that. But the first few chapters is all to pastors and leaders that will be held accountable when you don't speak the truth to the people. Because everything, I don't speak truth to you, I'll be accountable for what you sin. I said, oh, Lord, they're getting truth because I'm not going to be responsible for the blood on your heads. Amen. Why? Because the truth sets us free. It may be uncomfortable, but listen, heaven is real and so is hell. God is real, amen? And he's coming back for the world, and we want the world to know that God is real. Because there are theologies teaching that you don't even need to repent of your sins. There's everybody's going to go to heaven. There's so much deception out there. The Bible says that in the last days, the very elite will be deceived if possible. And we've seen, rule, we've seen leaders, great leaders, fall In the last month, great leaders renounce their faith, renounce their belief system after 30, 40 years in the faith. Why? Why is that? Because we're being persuaded by tickling ears, and they don't want the truth that makes us uncomfortable. Well, I'm telling you, I'm going to stand before God and say, God, I gave the people the truth. I'm going to raise up a church that's going to be on fire and unafraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to go into this world like a vengeance and see the power of God manifested. 
God is coming again, amen? Dust you were created, to dust you will return. What's the second thing that happens when you die? Second thing is our bodies die, but the second thing is our soul is separate from our physical bodies, or you could say your spirit. When you die, the spirit in you will go on and live for eternity, say forever. We will have a dwelling place to go, depending on where your heart is with Christ. Matthew 10, 28 says this, Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't be afraid of the people. Don't be worried about what people think about your faith. The world and the Goliath of intimidation would try to shut up the church, try to make us feel insignificant, and we can't speak truth. Why? Because we're afraid of man more than we are the reverence of God. When it's the fear of God's word that is going to set the world free. I'm going to tell you it's the religious people that hates the truth. So who cares what religious people think? We need the world to have the truth of the gospel. Amen? All right, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. They can't kill the God on the inside of you. Rather, be afraid of the one, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It is time for the church to have a reverence fear of the Holy Spirit in the church, amen? Have a reverence fear of the God that we serve, that if I don't choose God, there's an eternal damnation called hell, and we'll learn more about that next week, but we need to have a reverence fear of God in our life. Have you ever attended a funeral as believers? It, it, um, the Bible says there's no sting in death, and why is that? Because when that Christian dies, they are never more alive right now in their death than they were in their living. Because true living is how we spend our eternity, amen? This is a temporary life, a little bitty moment, but when someone dies and they go into glory, that is more alive. They are worshiping their creator. They are serving their God. They are shouting, holy, 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 amen, is the Lord God almighty, amen. Our soul separates from God. Jesus illustrated this Clearly, when Lazarus died, remember when Lazarus died? He had been dead four days. And Martha and Mary, they were all thinking about the natural, and we lost someone that we love. And, and Martha comes running to Jesus. He's been dead for four days, and he stinketh and was so worried about him dying. And what did Jesus say in John 11? He's, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, John 11. I, Jesus said, I'm the resurrection in the life. I'm the one that when you die, you will live even though you die. See, this death is a temporary, you breathe and you go back into the ground, but we live eternity into heaven, amen? But God is the resurrection. He said, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You're going to go into the glory of God, into the presence of God. Our mind cannot even calculate what that's like. So what happens when, when our soul leaves us or our spirit and goes to heaven? What happens? The Bible isn't really super clear about that. I'll share Paul talked about, and I shared a little bit earlier, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know that. And 1 Corinthians 13, 12 is such a great scripture verse because it says, in this earth, I know in part. See, our human mind can only know a little bit about what heaven's going to be like. Our human mind can't fully contain everything. But the scripture goes on, when I'm in the presence of God, then I will fully know. See, we won't even know what heaven's like till we get there. We can only comprehend a little bit with our mind. Amen. 
So we need to grasp this by faith that what? I'm going to have a glorified body of Christ and spend eternity in heaven. So to be absent from the body, what happens? We go into the presence of the Lord. Why is there no sting in death? Because I'm in God's glory. I'm worshiping God, what? In a perfect body. That incorruptible body that that 1 Corinthians talks about is there's no pain, there's no sorrow, there's no sickness. We'll eat, we'll have a new body, we'll do jobs, we'll have activities, we'll, we'll live a life, but it won't be in the pain that's here today. It's a glorified body in Christ, amen? And there's so much joy in that. And if you look in another story example in the Bible, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he had two thieves hanging next to, next to him. Those thieves were pronounced guilty. They were destined for Hades in that time in Scripture. But the one saw Jesus as the Son of God hanging on the cross. He saw heaven as he was hanging there. And in uh, Luke 23, it says this. Then he said, the thief, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. See, if you look at this part of Scripture, those thieves could not come off the cross and do some kind of good works to be redeemed to go to heaven. It's the grace of God. It's recognizing that I'm in need of a Savior. I am lost and going to hell, and I need Jesus to remember me when I take my last breath and take it into heaven. Amen? He says, so Jesus, remember me. And what did Jesus say to him? Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So what happens when your earth suit dies? Your spirit leaves you, and you are ushered into the presence of of our all creator. Amen? Today. And it was by the grace of God, not by your works. Amen? When your body ceases to exist today, you will be in the presence of God. Can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Paul who knew the difference between being here on earth and being in heaven. He had, he had transitioned into both. I believe it was probably when he was stoned to death and they dragged him out in the city. He might have had an encounter with, with heaven. And in Philippians 1.20, it says this. He said, Paul, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. What did Paul live for every day? To bring honor to Christ. If we examine our lives, and I'm putting myself in this pool, are we bringing honor to Christ in our everyday life? Or do we get caught up in our 24-7, and we live every day, and we're never giving the love of God away? Paul said, whether I live or die, for to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. See how he was torn? But if I live, I can do more fruitful works for Christ. What do we do while we're living? Be fruitful for Christ. I am praying to God that these messages is awakening our church, amen, that we're going to become fruitful in the highways and byways, not just have really good church services, which I love, but I'm talking about a true revival that has a heart for the lost and dying world. So Paul goes on to say, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which is far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. He's saying, I would love to be with God, but guess what? I need to be fruitful while I'm here on earth. Who can I share Jesus with? Which city can I plant a church in? Which, which person can I ignite and baptize and, and see the purposes? And which leader can I raise up for the kingdom of God? Amen? It's better while we're here on earth to do something for Jesus. So what happens when we die? First, when our physical body dies. The second thing is our soul or our spirit is left and goes into the presence of God. 
The third part is the most important part that I really want you to capture today, and that is we will all face a judgment. Every one of us will face a judgment according to the word of God. And Peter said in 1 verse 17, 1 Peter 1 17, Peter said, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you, excuse me, excuse me, and remember the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. That gets me a little rattled because I really do think I'm God's favorite, but it's not true. I've always preached it, but I know it's not true. In other words, when you stand before God, everything you live for is gone. You are standing before your creator stripped of everything that you thought mattered in life. God has no favorites. There's no gold stars because of the works that you did at this point, right? It's because you are facing your creator in this moment. And what will he do when you face that judgment? He will judge you or he will reward you according to what you do. Now, we are saved by grace, right? It's not about what I do that gets me salvation, but when you are truly born again by God, when you are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you know what God did for you, you get from where I have to change, which becomes a law, to where I get to live according to the purposes of God. I love God so much, I want to fulfill his will, I want to fulfill his desire, I want to live the why I'm here on earth, when you are truly transformed by God. And when you live that way, you will be rewarded according to your works for God, which we'll talk about in a minute. So you must live in a reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. We should get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to have a reverent fear for you. There's a scripture verse that says, trouble my heart for the things that trouble you, God. And I think his bride, the one he's coming back for, needs to have a righteous, reverent fear for our father. Start living a life that pleases the Father. Not works, but pleasing the Father. When the Holy Spirit calls on us, we're going to respond to what the Spirit is asking in our life. Amen? This temporary life. You have to understand this world is not our home. This world is temporary. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you an illustration that Francis Chan gave online one day, and I think it's the perfect illustration, but our life is just a moment. And it's a wonderful moment, right? And we should live it to the fullest, but we should always live it to the purposes of God because that's why we were created, the spirit of God in us, amen? It's a short period of things. You will be judged or you will be rewarded when you face your creator. So let's talk this morning quickly about the two judgments that we'll be facing. The first one is this, the great white throne judgment. And as you study out the great white throne judgment, this is according to the word of God, is the throne that those who died without Christ will face, those who never received Jesus as their savior. And that's why it's so important for us as the church that we be the church. Because there's people that we love that will stand at this throne and we need to rescue them from it while we have time. If somebody was drowning in the ocean, you would have no reservations to almost put your life at, the, at risk to throw them a life preserver. I've seen people dive in the middle and risk their own lives to rescue someone else drowning. That's the compassion we need to have today because this throne is real. This is not a make-believe story. This is real afterlife. And that's why I'm so passionate to teach it to you so that you have a reality of what friends and families or people you care about will face one day. It's the great white throne judgment for non-believers. And this is in Revelations 
which says you're blessed if you read it. So go ahead and read the book of Revelations to be blessed, amen. But John was exiled to the island of Patmos in prison, tarred and feathered, and God gave him a vision of heaven. And this is where he's writing this portion of this vision. In Revelations, he says, John said, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, God. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. See, when the lost faces Christ, there's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to go. That is their moment of judgment. And we can't take that lightly. Verse 12 says, I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. We'll talk more about the lake of fire next week. But I want to focus on the book of life. See, the Bible says that there is the Lamb's book of life. And this is the wonderful news that we have as believers, that we serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who is called the Lamb of God, and he laid down his life for us, and he sacrificed his life, right? He died in our place so that we could have eternal glory. And the Bible says when you confess him before man, he'll confess you before your father. And the Bible says that he'll write your name in the Lamb's book of life. When you recognize you need a Savior, not being good, not coming to church, not the works, but recognizing you need a Savior like the thief hanging on the cross, and you say, Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you because you gave it all to me. And God says, I know you know me, and I'm going to write your name in that Lamb's book of life. But what's going to happen for the unbeliever? God has that book there. He has other books there. I don't know what they are. The Bible isn't really clear about it, but he has the book of life. And the unbeliever, God's going to search for that name. And when he doesn't find that name there, he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. And if you look at the rest of that, um, go down, I'm sorry, let's go down to uh, Matthew 7. What happens when they face this great white throne judgment? Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. This scripture verse rattles me. It really shakes me because it's a hard verse to understand that there's people who think they're okay, but they really don't know the Lord. There's religious people who do great things who have really not recognized that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the sent one from God the Father. People are being deceived today. Kanye West has a church that takes place every Sunday. And how many people are going to that? And we don't even know if the true gospel of Jesus Christ is being presented People are crying out, Lord, Lord, it is dangerous. And that's why as a church, we want to know that you know Jesus, not to preach a feel-good message to get a lot of people in the church. Are you going to heaven? Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Are we giving you the message of church that really drives you to repentance, or are we making you feel good? Boy, the flesh wants to make people feel good. As a pastor, I want to make you feel good. But then there's this other side of me. you got to know the truth. We have a generation of teenagers that are sitting back there that I hope they're getting this message that they've got to know the truth that just coming to church does not get you a ticket to heaven. Well, only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter heaven. 
On judgment day, they will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. God, I went to Easter Sunday every year. I gave to the sweet little bellboy at Salvation Army. I loved on someone, right? But God's gonna say, but your name isn't written there. Depart from me because I don't know you. We don't have a relationship. God is looking for relationship in his church, not church attendance. Do we need church attendance? Yes, this is where you grow, where you mature, where you can hear the word of truth to send you back to the world, but that does not assure your salvation. That's between you and the Father, amen? But God says, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. It's not being nice to people. It's not being a good person. It's knowing that you serve a risen Savior and you were willing to crucify your flesh and your ways to serve an all-powerful, almighty God. Amen? All right, the next judgment seat is the good seat. Everybody go, phew, lighten the seat belts a little bit. The second one is the judgment seat of Christ. And this is a good and a challenging seat that we as, this is the seat that Christians will stand before God. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we're going to face God one day, and he's going to judge the things that we did that were good and we were bad. Let me back up. The word judgment is the word bema seat. If you studied out, it's the Greek bema seat. And the bema seat was something that they used at the Olympics back in the Bible days. And it wasn't the place that you went to qualify for the race. So the bema seat, we're not going to be judged for our sin. We are under grace. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation is secured. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. But now this seat, the, the bema seat, is where we are rewarded for finishing the race. This is where they would put first, second, and third prize on the people, the crown on them or the leaves or whatever, and reward them. This is where your rewards will be taking place, not the judgment seat. Somebody say amen. We're not going to be judged for our sins. We are saved by grace, but we are judged by our works. Now, what's going to happen in this seat is that everything that we've done here on earth will be tried by fire. All the good things that we said I did for the glory of God, every good thing that you thought you did for people, you're saved, but it's going to be tried by fire. And if it's burnt up, you'll be given a crown in your jewel. If, I mean, if it burns up, there's no glory in it. And if it makes it through the fire, then you'll receive a crown, a, a jewel in your crown. But the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians that at the judgment seat, you will suffer loss. There will be sorrow at the judgment seat. I don't know exactly what that means. The Bible's not really clear about it. I think of it as a place we were supposed to obey God and we didn't obey God. Maybe there's somebody who we should have shared Jesus with and we'll feel the pain that we didn't obey that. I don't know exactly what it is. I can only kind of guess what would cause me pain at that moment. It's, it'd be like building a two-story home that's your heart, your like desire, the greatest home you ever loved. And you're in the second story and you're up there and the bottom catches fire. And the only recourse you have to do is jump out of the second story while the rest of the house, all of your dreams burn up and die, right? There's a sorrow in that. There's a loss in it. So we're going to feel some kind of loss or whatever that is, but it doesn't stop us from reaping the benefits of heaven. We will still go into God's glory, amen? So God wants us to live for his purpose. But what is so awesome 
is that when we're standing before God and all the beautiful things we really did do for God's glory, we're going to be rewarded for it. And how humbly is that going to be that we're going to get in God's presence and the Bible says because of his presence, we'll just kneel down before him. We're just going to kneel ourselves down because of the glory of God. And scripture goes on to say in Revelation that the reward we just got, that crown with all the jewels that we openly got rewarded before people, we're going to end up taking off and throwing at his feet. Because it isn't going to matter anyway. We're going to cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. The glory of the Lord is in this place. God's glory is what's going to matter. Amen. That we as God's people are going to spend. So what are, you, what are you going to be rewarded for? What are your motives here on earth? Who have you won to Jesus, right? Who have you laid hands on and given, given hope away? Those are the things that God is going to take notice in your life. I want to be the one like you guys it says, when I go to heaven, God, all these people came because I was willing to live a selfless life. I was willing to live for eternity and not live for this temporary moment that passes away. Amen? We need to live for Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, as I close, says, whether we are here in the body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Please him. And I know after serving God, all these years, you know, you would think in this long journey of serving God, I'd be totally sold out, you know? But you can wake up in your life and realize, I'm really living for myself every day. Where we used to be so on fire and share Jesus with everybody, and our faith was so courageous and, and so alive, and we were so, had revival in our soul, now we've been lulled to sleep by life. And my prayer, my prayer for this church, is that God would recalibrate us, there's things in life that we've rooted ourselves into. We've rooted into being comfortable. We've rooted into living for ourselves. We've rooted into just the 24-7, making it to church on Sunday, maybe serving here. We've got roots down where God wants to chop away that root of being comfortable. And I'm asking the Lord, take mine off too, God. Take my comfort zone out. We need God to take our GPS spiritual system and recalibrate it. We need to recalibrate why are we here on earth? Is it to live for this moment or is it to live for eternity? Because what you think about eternity is how you will live every day. Amen? And I know God's awakening you. I know God is awakening you to please him. Please the Father. And maybe you're here this morning and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. God is calling you to that relationship. Amen? He's calling you to cry out like the thief and say, remember me, Jesus. Remember when my earth suit dies and my spirit lives me, I want to face your judgment throne. I don't want to face the white throne. I want to face knowing my eternity is secure in Jesus. Amen. So maybe some of you need to say that prayer today. Maybe some of you this morning need to repent of some lifestyle. Really need to repent and allow the conviction of God to come back into your heart. And maybe we're so callous because the world tells us everything's okay and we need to say, Holy Spirit, search my heart. And if there's anything that's not pleasing to you, show me and let me repent of it. Trouble my heart for the things that trouble you, God, amen. Let, let the Lord trouble our hearts in this season so that he can use us for his glory. And then maybe some of you are just backslidden and you just need to get things right with the Lord today, wherever you're at, amen. And I think all of us can recalibrate, can't we? I think all of us can become more kingdom-minded. 
And that's my prayer over the next rest of the year probably. Because I know shifting this mind and shifting our flesh takes a little bit of process, doesn't it? It doesn't change overnight. But I believe the Lord, little truth by little truth, is awakening this church to live for his purpose, to see signs, wonders, and miracles, to see the lost healed, to see wounded people away from church back into the house of God. That's what God's wanting for his church. I'll close with this story the Lord reminded me in first service. But when I was a youth pastor, we had youth revival back in the Accelerate days. I mean, it was a move of God. And uh, one of our boys, Cody, who was a leader, he heard the message of the gospel every week. He was under our teachings all the time. He knew the truth. But this one particular Wednesday night, I put up a wooden cross. You know, in the youth ministry, I was real dripping. I used to run on chairs. It was no joke. I, I was crazy. And, uh, and so I, one night, I thought, I'm going to put up a big cross. And I brought this wooden cross in and printed out these sins, you know, like the nastiest sins on cardboard paper. And I'm, I'm preaching, I'm nailing that sin to the cross, you know, trying to get the revelation of what Jesus did for them. And all of a sudden, while I was preaching out of nowhere, I didn't have an altar call. Cody, who has been under the word his whole life, under hundreds of altar calls, at that moment came to the altar, right at that cross as I was preaching, and began to kneel and weep. Why? Because he got a revelation. It wasn't just coming to church. Teenagers that come with your parents, not just coming to church with your parents. It's not enough. We have to have a revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. And that transforms you. That changes your behavior. That changes the why you live on earth, amen. Then you begin to live for eternity. And honestly, that's the greatest joy of life, is living for God's purpose, amen. Go ahead and stand to your feet this morning. With all eyes closed, we're going to say this prayer together. If you confess with your mouth, believe in the heart, you, you will be saved. So I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me as our, as our worship team comes. Just say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. I recommit my life to you. Recalibrate my heart and my desires to live for eternity and forgive me of all my sins. In Jesus' name, with all eyes, still bow. If you said that prayer this morning in any way, shape, or form, just lift it up all over this room. Lift up your hand. You're coming back to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Making it right, repenting of some things all over this room. I just, I see hands everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. I see hands everywhere. Father, we thank you. We praise you. I thank you for this church, God. I thank you that they allow truth to come, God, that they are receivers of the truth of your word, God. We thank you that your word will resound in their hearts, in their spirits, Father God. Awaken it, bring revelation truth to every area that they need truth in. Holy Spirit, have your way in their hearts, in their lives, in their children, in their families, in their homes, Father God, and in this church. Have your way, Holy Spirit. We love you so much, Father God. In Jesus' name. In the chair in front of you, some quick instruction. There's an I Choose card. If you chose Jesus today, please take 30 seconds to fill out that card this morning. Come up forward to our beautiful families up here. Receive a free gift from us today or take it to guest services to receive a Bible there if you don't have one. Amen? Amen. I love you all so much. Have a blessed day. We'll see you next Sunday or Wednesday. <laughs>